Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. Double to KOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, subpar host of the show, superlative co-host. Mr. Joe McGranahan is directly across from me. And Kevin Hur, our fabulous producer, wearing a suit, is on the other side of the glass. So he, he, he oh, knew that there would be an that. attorney in the building today, <laughs> so he had to dress up. And uh, with that, we welcome our attorney. Cliff Readers is on board. Of course, uh, you folks may know him. Uh, I just think he's just a super advocate for a wide range of topics and safety and civil suits and a lot of big changes have happened in the state and probably around the world because of his work. Founding partner of readers Travis Humphrey, Waters and Dorman and uh, Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association past president and just a super expert on a wide range of topics. When can I stop, Cliff? <laughs> you got a long you can resume. Stop. You can stop. You can stop. My, my mother would be proud. Thanks. Right. She was happy at the second. By the time you got to the second page of your resume, she was <laughs> she was so proud. All right, well, we appreciate your calling in. Yeah, glad uh, to hear from you, Cliff. <laughs> yeah, same here. The U- U.S. Supreme Court leak is on our mind. Let's uh, We'll do the leak in a moment. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, Justice Alito says that Roe v. Wade was an egregious decision to start with. Uh, your view on the relative egregiousness of uh, that decision. Back from, in, from a legal standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the big debate uh, when you go to law school, the big debate is always whether the Constitution, you know, a document from 1789, whether the Constitution is uh, a living organ, uh, or organic document that's supposed to change with the times, and, of course, who defines the times, what defines the times, of course, is, you know, who's on the court, or whether it's a document that is, you know, it says what it is and, and says what it means and means what it says, and if you don't like it, you amend it. And there have been 27 amendments. And there have been uh, something like 33 that have actually made it to the amendment process, but 27 have passed. So, you know, the real issue here is, is a philosophical issue. What is your view as to what the role of the Constitution is? Now, if your role is, look, it, it, you know, you don't uh, rewrite it by court decision, you only rewrite it by amendment, it's very, it's very hard to justify Roe versus Wade and a lot of other uh, opinions that um, clearly were, you, you know, you can't find in the Constitution. You don't find the right to abortion in the Constitution. You find equal protection. You find due process. You find maybe some so-called penumbral rights, rights of association that flow from the First Amendment, from the amendment dealing with speech and, and press and that sort of thing. But how do you get uh, the right to abort from that? Um, so it, is, it really was a stretch at the time. Egregious. Well, you know, that, I'm not going to use that kind of terminology because now you're getting into sort of the political field. But I want to just talk about the law. If you just look at the law, it is very hard to find the right to abort in the Constitution. And at the time that Roe v. Wade, if you go back and reread the decision, the justices themselves, you know, pretty much admitted that they can't find it in the Constitution, but they find in, in kind of the general philosophy of the way America has developed under this Constitution that there was a right to 
um, a board prior to uh, the uh, the fetus being viable. So um, that's really what Roe versus Wade was about. It was a sociological, philosophical decision based upon the development, um, and it, it was decided during a time when you know we were fully into guaranteeing civil rights. Co- Congress had passed um, Title VII, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, and you know we were about expanding and ensuring, maybe is a better word, those those kind of individual rights and liberties. Um, that's where Roe versus Wade comes from, not from anything in the Constitution. So those who say, show, show me where it's in the Constitution or anything even like the right to abortion in the Constitution, you're not going to find it um, unless you believe that it is an organic, growing document that can be changed by the courts. If you believe, as many other people do, that that is uh, you know, that's just a bridge too far, that if you, really, if you don't like the stuff in the Constitution, have a constitutional convention, rewrite the Constitution, or amend it, as, as I say, as we've done 27 times. So it, is, it really is your philosophy is what this is all about. But the right to privacy is in there, and a woman's right to conduct... Where? And, and, where, and where's where the right it? to privacy in there? <laughs> well, I think, where the right to privacy is in the Constitution. No, is not that there. not within the due process section, where you, you cannot have government uh, uh, undo searches and seizures? Whatever it happens to be, you know, I, I don't remember which which is which from Roe v. Wade, okay, uh, but privacy well, was you. a factor. I'll tell you where it is. So, first of all, Roe v. Wade doesn't mention the Fourth Amendment. So, the Fourth Amendment deals with unreasonable searches and seizures. That's a right to privacy in your home. Okay, and even when they when cars came on the scene, the court had to kind of struggle with that applied to cars, and they have a different standard with respect to cars than they do with respect to homes, because homes are mentioned in the Fourth Amendment, cars are not. Um, so if you, if you think that the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures without a warrant in your home extends to the right to abort a fetus, boy, I, I think that's a leap. I mean, just logically, forget again, put aside your philosophy for a minute. I mean, it is certainly a leap in terms of interpretation, um, whether you believe it, it's it, a, a right to abort is a good idea or not. You know, finding it in the Fourth Amendment, the right to be secure in your home from unreasonable searches and seizures, leaping from that to the right to abort, boy, I, I, don't, I don't see it, you know. I mean, I don't see that leap, that's for sure. And if you want to talk about other rights of, of privacy, again, you have, there's a right to free, to, to free speech, there's a right to free press, there's a right to, to religious liberty. Um, I don't know, again, how you get from those, how you leap from those, the right to abort a fetus, and again, you got you have to talk about Roe versus Wade. You know, people forget this all the time. Talks about three trimesters, right? So clearly, the court says in the third trimester you can regulate it, you can ban it. So we're really only talking about the first and the second trimester. Now, in the first one, uh, the fetus is not viable, but it's certainly capable of becoming an infant. In the second trimester, of course, the medicine has changed. Uh, my, my, I have a first cousin who's a neonatologist in New York City. And, uh, you know, they're, they're making incredible strides in terms of the ability to deliver, you know, to save babies who are delivered early. Um, so even, even that has changed since Roe. It is, it is, uh, there's now more science behind the ability to uh, deliver a baby earlier and save that baby's life. So, again, uh, you, don't, you will not find the whole notion of a right to privacy um, is something that has evolved um, from the Constitution, but it's not explicitly found there. And uh, the next question you have to ask is whether the right to abort um, something within your body that's capable, that either is 
uh, a child or capable of becoming a child, whether that implicates a right to, to freedom uh, or a right to association. And again, he could start talking about the fetus's rights. You know, we may look back on this in 20 years, 50 years, and say, gosh, we you know, can't believe that we were ignoring the rights of the fetus. You know, so there's that argument to be made also, and it seems to me you can almost argue that if you want to argue with the Constitution. Cliff, you can they, argue that as well as you could anything else. Cliff, does, does the fetus have any legal rights, and at what point does it get them? There's a very interesting case, uh, the Hudak case. It actually was decided by my former partner who went on the court, Clinton Smith, now deceased. And uh, the Hudak case said that a, uh, that a, a child inside the mother's womb would have the right to bring a wrongful death and survival action if it was killed in an auto accident. You know, there are people, there are women, pregnant women, who get involved in auto accidents, the baby is killed. Does the baby have an independent right to bring a case? And the courts have said yes, so long as the baby is viable. And again, we're pushing back the time of viability more and more. Um, supposing the child is not viable, but in two weeks could become viable, or a month could become viable, should that fetus have the right to bring a wrongful death and survival action because he or she may have, he or she would have um, evolved into a human being at some point? So, you know, again, those are unanswered questions. But, but uh, you know, again, I'm trying to sort of step back from the political, right. and I'm trying to look at the documents written. You know, as lawyers, look, we look at documents all the time. Okay, I mean, I've done you know, all kinds of contractual disputes, all kinds of stuff like that. We read contracts, and you know, we try to make sense of them. What's really, what really can be found in this document, and what do we, you know, what is a stretch? <clears throat> what are we kind of making up to fit the the the, the narrative? <clears throat> and again, to try to to find to say you can find abortion in the in the current constitution is absolutely a stretch. Now, if you say to me. If you say, I would say you were principled if you said to me, you know, because I don't care about that anyway. I believe the Constitution should evolve, and I think the courts are the ones that should evolve it. If, if you tell me that, I would say, oh, well, okay, that's an argument. Um, it's a, to me, it's a slippery slope. It's a potentially dangerous argument. But you know what? That's an argument. You're being honest with me. But if you say to me, or if somebody says to me, oh, it's there. The right to abort is there in the Constitution. Well, that's malarkey. It just isn't. Um, so it, becomes down, it comes down to philosophy as to whether you want to let the courts evolve the Constitution okay. or whether you want to let the people do it through amendment. That's really the issue. That's what it comes down to, Mark. Well, what about, now this is Joe again, what about viability from a legal standpoint? Isn't viability on a case-by-case basis? One child might survive at X number of weeks and another child won't? Or is there a definitive legal definition of viability, Cliff? Well, that's a great question. That's a really, really great question. And, and I would say that it is not fully answered by the courts. Um, I think it depends upon the circumstances and, and the state you're in. So, for example, when you're dealing with, um, well, let's take it out, outside of the abortion context. Let's take it, you know, in, in, within the family context. Um, the, the, most doctors try to use a bright line rule. You know, they normally look at the, at the period and they say, okay, <clears throat> you know, uh, the 42 <clears throat> or 40 or 39 divided by 3. And they define viability the way you know Roe does, and they stay, they talk about the semesters, and they say um, by the uh, by the end of the second trimester this this um, fetus is viable. Before that, um, in the second trimester, it's eh, you know we don't know, right? So in some cases it will be, in some cases it won't be, as we you know as we make developments in the law. In in the first trimester, it's clearly not viable outside the womb. So the question then becomes, should the test be one of viability? 
those who are anti-abortion say, no, it shouldn't be. I mean, in, in a matter of, if you don't do anything, except feed the mother in a matter of, of weeks, you know, a couple of months, this child is going to de- evolve into a child. This fetus is going to evolve into a child. So what's the difference if we're talking about why should we, why should we base uh, life, or the right to life anyway, on how many weeks it is? That's that argument. The other argument is no, it's, a, it's tissue. It's, a, it's an amalgam of tissue, and if it's not capable of living outside the womb, it's not a human being. So, uh, you know, I, so I think at the bottom line of all of this debate is a question you asked, which is, to me, is not fully resolved by the courts. Should government be involved in women's wombs, helping them decide these things or deciding whether they have the right to this or not? Or is this just a private moral decision and government should not be part of it? Well, so that's a philosophical question, philosophical religious question. Everybody has their views on that. Um, but that's not really the legal question. I'm sorry. You know, the legal question is whether the whether the courts um, can find in the United States Constitution uh, an absolute um, ban on government restricting abortion. Um, can can the uh, that's really the question. Uh, can the courts find in that document in that Constitution in any kind of legitimate way? Um, the right to say to, to the rest of the country, to the courts throughout the country, you know what, you, you must permit abortion. Um, it is an infringement of a woman's rights to prohibit abortion under this Constitution as written. That's really the question, whether it's right or wrong or moral or immoral, or if it's you know, under this religious view or that religious view. You know, that's a whole other question. I'm happy to discuss my own personal philosophy with you. But that's a, that, that is a question that you should ask a, a minister, a rabbi, an imam, you know, you, or, or a sociologist or somebody else. I mean, obviously we all believe, I think we all believe to some degree, the, the right to, to freedom, to, to kind of do as you wish so long as you don't harm anyone else. But I think those people who oppose uh, abortion, they think it does harm someone else. It harms this, this uh, organ inside the woman that either is viable or is going to become viable under, in most circumstances. So I'm trying to stay away, Mark, deliberately from the sociological religious issues because I'm really trying to, to get people centered on what the legal issues are. Then you can go out and you can you know, choose what you want to choose in terms of your own you know, personal views about this kind of thing. Let's take but, the legal uh, issues uh, another step further down the line. Uh, if, if the child is not viable in terms of a legal definition, which you say isn't settled yet, uh, does society have any real vested interest in preserving that, or should we just let it go? Yeah, well, again, it depends on your, on your religious views. I'm, I'm looking at what the law prohibits or requires. And what I'm saying is that right now under Roe, the law says um, you know, what, that, that there is a right to abort the fetus. This woman has this right to abort this fetus until the third trimester. He has that right. We're going to give her that right. We recognize that under the Constitution as an associational right, uh, a, a, a right of some sort of freedom that we've invented. Um, that's what the courts have said thus far. If they change the law, then what they're saying is, well, you know what? We recognize that the fetus has, uh, has rights that we did not recognize previously, that this organism, this organ, this tissue that is capable of developing into a, into, into a viable um, baby, which it may not be you know, right now in the second trimester or the first trimester, we're going to protect that right of evolution. That's what, that's what the other folks say, and, and their opponents say that's absurd. 
You know, how's it different than any other tissue that's not capable of, of being a, a human being outside the human body? That's the, that's the legal debate, shall we say. Okay. What about a guardian ad litem? Suppose someone went to court and said, I want a guardian appointed for this unborn fetus because it is not going to become a tadpole. It's not going to become a frog or a dog. It's going to become a human being, and therefore it has rights. That's another great question. People have tried that, by the way. And the court said, no, 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 no. As long as Roe versus Wade is the law, as long as there's a right to, uh, to abort prior to viability, we are not going to set up a guardianship for a non-viable you know, chunk of tissue in this woman's body. That's what the courts have said thus far. You know, they just would see that as a way of getting around the, the Roe versus Wade. All right. What about our faith in the court? We now have a court that's about to change something that was decided 50 years ago because the court's more conservative. You know, this idea that you can go to Commonwealth Court in Pennsylvania, they're conservative, but you can go to the state Supreme Court and they're more liberal. What about your reaction to this idea that our faith in courts is eroded when the courts change their decisions based on the direction of the wind? Well, the courts have answered that question, and they've said if a decision no longer has the force or impact of the law, then it should be changed. So, for example, at one time, segregation was okay, right? And then Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, came along and said, wait a minute, we're going to throw out that precedent. That's ridiculous. At one time, the United States Supreme Court said that a, that a black person and an African was um, not a citizen, was not considered a human being, right, and uh, helped uh, fuel the Civil War. And the courts have since said, no, no, that was that's insane. That's not the law. At one time, we put Japanese Americans in internment camps during World War II. And the courts have since said, no, you can't do that without due process. Those people were citizens, by the way, those Japanese Americans who were put into internment camps during World War II. So, you know, we've changed precedent. Um, it has to be, obviously, a you know, crucial matter, extraordinary, a matter of extraordinary importance. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's happened. Does that erode the face in the court? Well, it happens infrequently enough that I don't think that alone is what erodes the face in the courts. I think what, what people are concerned about when it comes to the courts is um, the extent to which they can be manipulated by public opinion. I think most people um, feel that's not going to happen. Uh, but I think it's very difficult to, to impose that standard. Because judges are human beings, and, you know, they may want to go on, uh, on higher courts, appellate courts, or in some states they have to run for election, like in Pennsylvania. So, you know, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, that judges are affected by you know, public sentiment, no matter how hard they may try not to. And most of them try not to, by the way. Most judges, you know, I'd say the great majority of judges are honorable people who really do want to kind of keep the balance in society. They realize that's their role. And they do, you know, most of them do a pretty good job doing that. But uh, there's no doubt that these, you know, these hot-button issues bring a lot of public pressure to bear. I mean, the whole idea of protesting outside judges' houses and trying to change their opinion by, by making them feel afraid or bringing you know, political or social pressure on them is, um, is a, you know, very disquieting and disrupting. You know, I worked for a federal judge myself in, in different places, in D.C. and here in, in uh, central Pennsylvania, who dealt with very high-profile cases. Uh, many of them, uh, Judge Sirica, John Sirica handled the Watergate case. I was in court with him every day. I saw that whole thing develop and evolve. I, I worked here for Judge Muir, Malcolm Muir, one of the longest serving judges in, in our nation's history. And, um, you know, they have extreme responsibilities. And one of the greatest responsibilities that most federal judges feel is the responsibility to, to be consistent, to be balanced, 
um, and, and not to let the law become, you know, a, a political weapon or tool. But boy, it's hard. You know, it's really hard for, the, for that uh, to happen or not happen. You'll remember, for example, that most of the Trump judges did not agree with him that the election was, uh, you know, was rigged. Judge Matthew Brand right here in Waysport, who was, uh, was uh, a Republican Obama nominee, okay? And he found that the Trump campaign did not bring a legitimate case for election fraud in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, judges try, try very, most of them try very, very hard to maintain a, an even keel. Cliff, you know, we're, we're almost out of time, but we've got to ask you one question from a legal standpoint. How devastating is the leak, and what should happen to the leaker? Oh, they, definitely the leaker should have his or her head cut off. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. I'm getting aside. I, I worked as a law clerk, you know, I, I and I thought that my absolute 1,000% fidelity was to that judge, and if I disagreed, I told the judge so. And I can tell you that I've worked for federal judges who I disagreed with. And I remember on more than one occasion um, saying to the judge, I can't draft this opinion for you. I just can't. I can't do it. And in all those cases, just okay, I'll do it. Or the other law, you know, one of his other law clerks would do it. Uh, I can tell you another case where I attempted to resign my position because I disagreed so fundamentally with the judge. I brought him a, a resignation note. Went to his house late at night in the wintertime with my resignation. He took my resignation and threw it into his fireplace. And he said, Cliff, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> he says, I, I like having you young liberals. He said, it makes me think. <laughs> but what about well, you know, the leak? I couldn't even resign when I wanted to. But I, I certainly would never, I can't even imagine going to the press or leaking a draft of an opinion. To me, that is, you know, that is, is such a, uh, uh, as we say in Hebrew, an avera. That's such a sin, you know, that a sin of biblical proportion to undermine a, a judge just because you happen to disagree with their legal point of view. You know, if you don't like it, you argue with them, you maybe refuse to do the work, you resign, but you don't expose them to ridicule and even potential physical threat because you happen not to agree with their judicial philosophy. I think that's really gross. And, uh, you know, whatever can legally be done to this person um, should be done. If they're a member of the bar, they should lose their law license. I mean, I think it's a very, it should be as severe a punishment as we reasonably could accomplish and still call ourselves a civilized society. All right. Well, that is going to be the word of the day. Hevera, a uh, sin in Hebrew. So, <laughs> Hevera, sin. That's a good biblical word. I got it. It's really a sin. It may be the only Yiddish I know. So thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for checking in. Oh, really love your opinions. And yep. uh, stop by and visit us again. We love the more prolonged yeah, visits definitely. with more questions. Always, thank you, Always sir. glad to hear from you, Cliff. Take care. Be well. Stay safe. Stay you too. Thank you. Cliff Readers, a noted regional attorney, former President of Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association, of course, Williamsport lawyer, readers, Travis Humphrey, Waters and Dorman, uh, his uh, uh, law firm up there, uh, was nominated by President Clinton to be on the federal court, but at the time the Republicans weren't interested in uh, upping any uh, lawyers to the court, uh, had been nominated by the president, so that uh, died for lack of a second in the U.S. Senate. Cliff call readers. off with their heads, he's like the queen of hearts. <laughs> yeah, they were, we don't really do that so much anymore. No, maybe we should start it up again. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I think a law clerk could, I think Jenny Thomas would have thought twice about that if she'd known. All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We have time for a quickie reaction call. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Law and order theme. All right, we're in the uh, courtroom. Thank you so much, uh, Avera. A V E R I A. You're fascinated by that Hebrew word, are you? Word not? for sin, uh, literally translated, means falling short. So, um, yeah. So now well, you're falling short and sin don't seem to be quite on the same level from a severity. Well, you standpoint. try not to sin, but you fall short. <laughs> oh, okay. So therefore, uh, I guess that's. I think Cliff brought that. up some very good points. You yeah, know, excellent and, point. Well, and I think Judge Alito, uh, a lot of people like Cliff, who really study the Constitution and law, say it was an egregious decision, and that. Uh, you really have. He didn't to, want to use that word. Bear in mind, right? You have to read into the Constitution uh, in a not a rewriting fashion, but in a more dynamic fashion in order to find you know the particular right to privacy that was mentioned in Roe v. Wade. So, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of folks are saying that this is the correct decision. The more they study the law, the more they say that. Of course, it is people, society, the majority, <laughs> the nation, who's having the big argument. All right, to be continued. Uh, we can talk about this and many other topics uh, during an open phone segment during the 9 a.m. hour. We'll have brief news headlines, then we'll open up the phones, and we'll uh, continue our show on On the Mark on WDKOK Sunbury. WDKOK News Time now 9 a.m. Good morning, everyone. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome aboard WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. He's Present. A, he portrays a conservative on the radio, although some uh, ultra died in the wall. MAGA heads say he's not doing a good job. <laughs> I portray a liberal on the radio, and almost everybody says I'm not doing a good job. And Kevin Hur is the only person in the building who's always doing a good job. He's our fabulous producer, takes good care of us, screens the calls, and would love to answer the phone with you saying, I have to tell Joe he's wrong. So please call in <laughs> if you have that statement. 1-800-795-9565 is the open line. Uh, we talked about uh, the U.S. Supreme Court draft decision that was leaked recently. And uh, Attorney Cliff Readers was on the line talking about the fact when he was a law clerk, he would never dream of doing such a thing. But I guess, uh, you know, we have more partisan actions on the part of somebody, or somebody did it for some reason. We actually really don't know why. We don't know who nor what 
what uh, her motive was, but her motive? <laughs> yeah, I think it's Jenny Thomas. I know but you keep saying that. That's me. <laughs> but that's just me. So one eight hundred seven nine five. Found it on Clarence's desk and released it. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Made a copy and sent it over to uh, to one person who gave it to Politico. All right, one eight hundred, and that is based on evidence that is. What did she gain from that, by the way? Since it's your theory, uh, I think she wanted to push the other justices to get on board once they saw that most of the nation would be... But they had already signed it. Some, Some had. No, Justice uh, Roberts had not. The and Chief not just Justice. that Roberts won't. I think, he's, I think he's definitely not going to support it. All right. Well, we'll see. And maybe she wanted to pressure him. one 800 Why? If she had five votes, she didn't need to pressure him. Or four votes. Uh, she, she didn't, didn't have to. it. He did. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> see? She, she's intricately involved oh, in this. God. You admit it. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you just did. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. We can talk about other things, national or local. There's all kinds of things going on. The fiber dam's not going to be inflated for a while. And a great history of the fiber dam in the Daily Adam over the weekend, talking about how it got started and so on. So we can chit-chat about that if you are so inclined. Lots of folks really calling attention to the millions of dollars at stake with the Lake Augusta that we've learned to appreciate it and use it for boating and camping, etc. and so forth. And maybe there's some other topic. one 800 795-9565 is our open line. Again, on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We would love to hear from you today. Some brief news headlines. Uh, there was an apparent attempted possible robbery at the Walmart. <laughs> I hate to be so Don't vague. equivocate. <laughs> well, you know, we heard the dispatch, but then didn't hear anything afterward, and police aren't commenting. 3.45 p.m. yesterday, Walmart to Cold Township at the gas station that's there. And police say mom's the word so far on that. Sunbury police say they may be investigating something that happened at Penn Jersey yesterday at 4th and Ray Street. Uh, apparently not in a bona fide robbery there as well. So we'll keep you posted about that. And mom's the word from Trooper Andrea Pelichick, the public information officer for the state police is saying there's no threat to the public after a standoff or gunplay that occurred last Friday evening in the Turbotville area, Trent Road and Warrior Run Boulevard. Police converged on the area, roads were closed, and then the all clear sounded, and uh, troopers say they're not disclosing what happened there. You can start now enjoying the downtown Danville Shoppers Shuttle. Even Kevin's going to ride it once or twice just for fun. Rebecca Dressler is executive director of the Danville Business Alliance. It was during the pandemic, and our businesses were suffering from that, and we kind of said, okay, what can we do? And also, how can we also help the patient families who are sitting at Geisinger sometimes for hours with nothing to do? It visits Geisinger Woodbine, Geisinger's main campus, Napper Clinic, Geisinger Hospital for Advanced Medicine, Wise Markets, Canal Park, Giant Coles Hardware, Danville Area Community Center, and Kevin's House. <laughs> All right, it doesn't go to Kevin's house. You can see some of the video of the route at WKOK.com and on our Facebook page. All right, he's unmoved by my shenanigans. One of the most popular and successful programs at Luzerne County Community College's North Hamilton Regional Center expansion is expanding. 
expanding their nursing program, which starts up a new two-year class every other year. It is going to go every year now, according to the Associate Vice President of Academic Affairs, Susan Spry. It's for students in their day and evening classes. Uh, WHTM TV reporting a new Pennsylvania gubernatorial race poll has State Senator Doug Mastriano with a 10-point lead over Lou Barletta. Mastriano led the newly released Trafalgar poll with 27% of the vote, followed by Barletta, 17%. David White was third with 15%, and William McSwain received 14%. Jake Corman had 5%, so he's up a little bit. He was in single digits. Melissa Hart received... Five is still a single digit. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he was in the low single digits. Thank you. for <laughs> Joe's been doing this for me for 30 years. <laughs> Minor correction, Mark. Uh, Melissa Hart received 3.7%. Joe Gale received 3%. Charlie Giroux, uh, who was on this show, received uh, 2.1%. Just 11% of the voters say they're now undecided. In the May 17th primary, the poll was conducted between May 6th and 8th with 1,080 likely Republican voters with a 2.99% margin of error. More than 82% of respondents were 45 and older. 87% were sick, were white. <laughs> and 53% were male. Well, you know, I don't think Mastriano can win the general election, to I be know. honest with you. I, I, you know, as a Republican, I understand some of what he's done. He makes his ads sound very reasonable, but actually some of his positions have been pretty unreasonable. He walked off uh, an interview where someone asked him about his uh, adherence to a couple of QAnon theories mm-hmm. that were a little off right. the Right, well, wall. he doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, I think he is electable. I think half of Pennsylvania thinks that uh, he he is close enough to President Trump. He is a uh, dyed-in-the-wool MAGA Republican. And well, so is, is Lou Barletta. Lou Barletta, though, is more well, mainstream. But, yeah, but he's not as bombastic and uh, sort of buffoon-like as Mastriano. He's out there, yells at reporters, throws things at people. Uh, he does? Convene that hearing. Yes, he convened the, uh, omits certain reporters from certain events if he doesn't like their coverage. Very Trump-like. Uh, exactly, in every way. And I think that... In you know, as we go through the summer, and well, he hence gets, my argument that he can't win in the fall. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I would think in Pennsylvania. I mean, I, I don't think. That, I, don't, I think people are tired of that. You know, they want the conservative mm-hmm. values. They want the the uh, America first. I mean, I think America first still resonates with people, considering the way this administration has been r- running the country down a rabbit hole. Okay. And uh, but I don't think that that they are going to accept somebody who is so belligerent, bellicose, and. Um, so you're not necessarily happy to see Mastriano rise to the top of this heap. You'd rather well, see I'm, one of these other candidates. The Republican Party will do what it's going to do. I just think if they nominate him, they've got something of a death wish. When Lou Barletta, Barletta and White are conservative candidates, and uh, I think both would represent the party well and would offer the same strong conservative values that we like to believe are acceptable and what the people of the country want, but without the baggage. Right. And with uh, well, I, I think you're making some good points. I just just think I, I think you and I don't have the same estimation of what the, the Trump Mastriano support would be. I think Josh Shapiro will certainly get a lot of support in Pennsylvania, but I think he's probably viewed as kind of milk toast and not as uh, people want bigger answers, bolder actions, more more things happening. Well, he's stuck. Josh Mastriano Shapiro's stuck because he's has. got to run defending the the Wolf administration. 
I mean, he can't say that my predecessor, my fellow Democrat, was he a failure. Does separate himself from that. He says, "I am not, uh, you know, Governor Wolf, and I'll be my own governor." Um, governor Wolf is not campaigning for him. He, they they don't do endorsements. You know, they're just uh, separate. It's it's. But still, he's out you know, he's own. he's got to to some extent defend that. I mean, if he can't say I'm a Democrat, he's a Democrat. Some Democrats are good. Some Democrats are bad. You're almost in the position where you have to say all Democrats are better than any Republican. Well, <laughs> <laughs> don't you? Yes, and I think some people are saying Mastriano is better than any any Democrat. Well, is, you is know, I know I know people who support Doug Mastriano, and they're thoughtful, intelligent people. Uh, I just find him um, on the scale and the conservative values. Yeah, I, I I like his conservative values, but the rest of what goes with it, I'm not so wild about. All right, what's your view on this uh, topic? Joe and I could talk about this for days. Uh, it would be is the election this Tuesday. <laughs> It's next week. Next, yeah, next, next well, Tuesday. I guess you could say it's this Tuesday. Cause right, because this, this is Wednesday. It's a week from today. A week from today. one 800 What's your view on the uh, gubernatorial race in Pennsylvania? We had Charlie Garot in our studio, so lots of folks liked listening to that. William McSwain's done a good job. Jake Corman's called us a couple times. Um, let's see. Melissa Hart, Lou Barletta, and uh, Joe Gale are uh, certainly good candidates as well. one 800 uh, some people really like Nietzsche Zama because he speaks, uh, you know, very big and bold, sweeping terms about what can be done in Pennsylvania. Uh, well, what's your view on this? One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at on the mark at wkok.com or text us at seven zero two three six. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan. Mark Lawrence is on the other side of the table, ready to push the button on a telephone call from Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. You're on the mark from Shemokin Dam. Good morning. First, to my fellow Shemokin Dam residents, we had the bear last night. Just a friendly warning to you. I just live two blocks off the highway, so it's right here. Secondly, Max Norfolk. We should be celebrating this young man. He is graduating from high school and college this month. Don't you think that's incredible? Where? Around here? Yeah. He's a Danville student who's also graduating from Bloomsburg. And he took advantage of something that I have touted on the radio several times, the ACE program, which allows high school students to take college courses and at a deep discount, 75% off, while they're still enrolled in high school. 
So you can do double duty, and here he is graduating. And, Mark, this is exciting. He's going to join the Lion Nation. He's going to go at 18 to get his Ph.D. at Penn State with computer science. <laughs> good for him. How good is that? I think we should be celebrating, rejoicing. You know, they make such a fuss out of kids that excel in sports. Why aren't we celebrating Or kids that get in trouble. He should be, you know, he. we should all be so excited. And it's interesting to note, not only is, is this his achievement, his brother graduated from high school and one year later graduated from college using this same special program at, at uh, Bloomsburg, and his siblings are currently enrolled. You know, one of the mistakes I think kids make in high school is that they just sit back and... Uh, go the easy road, if you will. They're mm-hmm. going to settle down and do something in college. Well, you could take one or two years off your college career in high school, deeply discounted. A hundred bucks to take an AP course in school versus several thousand dollars to take the same class in college. I mean, really, what's to think about that? And yet the kids don't take those challenging classes and sit back and take it easy, and then they get to college, and we hear them whining, oh, I don't want to pay for these courses now that I've (laughs) run up this bill. Well, you had a chance to get them for almost free, deeply, deeply discounted. You didn't do that. You know, you waited to do this, and now you're telling me you don't want to pay for this after you chose it? Well, I know it's chicken. I mean, they definitely push it, and there are a lot of kids involved. Now, you may be right that there are many kids that are leaning back and are just enjoying their senior year or whatever. I mean, they can really start when they're a sophomore and uh, do that. But there are many kids at Chicken Lemme that are doing it. My nephew was one of them. Started at Bloomsburg University as a sophomore. You know, he used to tell us about his college classes and so on, how different they were. And at the time... You had to go to campus in person, so you know we, we uh, his family arranged for transportation to make that happen. But then, of course, during the pandemic, it all switched to online, which made it easier for him. But uh, yeah, he was a shikalami, and he had several peers who were involved in that. But you're right; there certainly, when I was in high school, I did a little bit of leaning back. Well, and at the time, the guidance counselors didn't have that program, so what they did encourage us to do was to work ahead. You know, I worked ahead of the class in our math classes and some other things, and then when you would finish the book early or whatever the class had in mind, they'd come up with something else, an independent study for you to, you know, so you could keep progressing. Well, a lot of people trash online education, especially in uh, the public schools, but this young man was able to go to high school online while he went to college in person, Uh, and I think we should be supporting flexibility, options, so that we don't pigeonhole people into one kind of education. There should be many kinds of education, and we should encourage the student to use the one that best Well, and I think it it calls into question how valuable is what they're learning in high school if you can go to college without having had it. Exactly. (laughs) Well, one of the things I rolled my eyes at was even if you took the AP course in high school and passed the test, you went to Penn State, they wouldn't accept those credits as English credits. Well, that's nonsense. That's just nonsense. And the state has acted to push back against that if the university that you attend take state funding, then they have to have set up a, uh, a system, and they show, can have to show it to you, so that if you took this course, you get this credit, so that you can not waste your time taking courses that aren't actually going to count when you get to college. So I think that's great, too. 
other. And my, I'm looking at Bill McSwain. To switch to politics, I'm looking at Bill McSwain. I like him. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of folks in the next uh, week come out and, and say, well, I am not for the top contender, or, you know, the more I hear about uh, Senator Mastriano, the less I like him, and uh, <clears throat> I, I think you're going to see somebody else emerge. Lawrence is worthless wisdom, but well, I have... Well, here was, here was, last night on TV, several times, I see ads running, paid for by Josh Shapiro, the Democrat running for the governor against Mastriano when there hasn't even been a decision from the party, the Republican <laughs> Party, about who they're going to run. Yeah, that's so a- obviously Shapiro wants for Mastriano to win- run. He right. believes he can beat him with this propaganda that he's already you know, pushing out onto the airwaves, which should give pause to anybody who's <laughs> thinking about voting for Mr. Mastriano. Exactly. I, what I want is I someone who's going to beat Josh. He's Governor Rendell 2.0. I listened to him <laughs> twice now with speeches, and if it, I'm telling you, if you closed your eyes, you would have sworn it was Ed Rendell all over again. Well, and I think the uh, I, I think you're 100 percent right, and I think he definitely wants Mastriano to be the one that runs. Well, and, that's my and argument I, that Mastriano can't win. Right, and I think um, well that that doesn't change my opinion. I think Mastriano can win, but that's another topic. But um, I I think it is a gamble for Shapiro to do that because I think a lot of Republicans or or independents like yourself, Cindy, are going to say, wait, 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 wait. Why is Josh Shapiro picking the Republican nominee? But you know, yesterday I got a piece of mail uh, that was completely unclear as to who paid for it. And Mm -hmm. all it did was knock down the top three candidates. It knocked down uh, uh, Barletta. Oh, well, that's probably from... Was this for Senator, governor? No, for governor. I'm sorry, for governor. Uh, it was probably from Melissa Hart. She's been doing that on the stage when she gets a chance. But there was absolutely nothing in there that indicated who actually paid for it or who was in I favor of it. I thought you had to put that. I you do on the radio. Pennsylvania law that you have to put who paid for it. On you, have, you have ad. to. You have to on broadcasting. But I didn't. You know, it's something. It might have said something like uh, United Patriots LLC, oh, but that doesn't oh. really tell you who it is. Right. That's <laughs> no clue at all. Nope. Well, this for this primary, I registered Republican. The last right. primary, <laughs> I registered Democrat. That's what being an independent. You know, okay. <laughs> Thank you thanks, so Cindy. much for calling in. Appreciate the call. Dan, thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning. Well, I'm going back to Cliff Reader's very good interview there. Why, uh, he mentioned about the blob of tissue. Well, the part about the blob of tissue, once you, 30 days you have when the egg when the sperm meets the egg that's that's more than a blob of tissue it has all the genes all the DNA to become fully human that can live outside the womb so it's already human once it's not a it's more than a blob of tissue so that's why people like me, we believe the Bible first, but now we learn that not only scriptures on our side, the Lord God of heaven, but also science backs up our beliefs that it is a human from the conception on. So that sort of ends the debate when life begins. E, e, even you get to that, only life can beget life. 
and of course the, the sperm's living and the eggs living so you, know, you can't you can't deny when human life begins you can't deny it but you can argue about exactly when that is right and you can't impose your religion on doesn't the people. bible say god breathed life into the newborn so wouldn't that imply that once the child is born god breathes life into it god but up to that point life it's not into adam because he was the first human ever but none of us yeah you talk about valability none of us would be around if we didn't have a caretaker usually a mother and the father we wouldn't make it outside the womb so it, it life begins at conception you can't it today i'm not even arguing at all from the bible stand point of view which confirms what i'm saying but science now modern science and since roe versus wade confirms that it's a human life in the womb and if you deny that then you're what I call a science denier <laughs> you're, you're like like people in climate in other words they call it they call it but you can't you can't be selectively scientific Dan. I mean you, science also tends to agree with the uh, Darwin Darwinian theory but you you don't like that that's not real science. Okay. So Dan That's will tell us fake. what real science is. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you what. You, know, you have to be able to confirm things by experimentation. You have to confirm it. You can't just say what happened a million years ago. We weren't here. Well, how, how do you confirm your argument about uh, life beginning when it begins through experimentation? What experimentation will you accept there? You mean uh, far as creation or far as a child? You you said about the blob, so forth, and it's a human no, being. But what blob. experimentation would you accept to prove that you're right? What what experimentation I, has I there am been? Right, because <laughs> science today knows it's all living DNA. The DNA programs in that fertilized egg to become fully human. It's a program. It really isn't evolving into a baby. Everything's there to become a baby. You can say it's microevolution, not macro. Microevolution is a lot different. Yeah, you can use that term, and I'll accept it. That, that tissue, everything's there. The DNA, all the, everything's there for that blob, as they say, to become a baby, and right. it's more than a blob. We so got a caller waiting. There. Science knows that today. There's no question. You can't well, even I think there is a question. That. I think there is a question. No, That's no why it isn't. Not in I, your mind. <laughs> it is proven. Well, we got to get another caller going here. Okay, well. You can ask a doctor. Don't take my word for it. Well, I won't. Right? You ask a doctor. It's all there. <laughs> all right. Thank you so it much, sir. Yeah, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, we might have said, yeah, it's just a blob of tissue, and 
blah, blah, it's a zygotic blah, embryo. Now we know. <laughs> All right, zygotic we got zygotic. you, Dan. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for calling yep, in. You guys have a good one. Appreciate Did you say that. zygotic or psychotic? Zygotic. <laughs> you're psychotic. <laughs> Buzz, you're on the mark. <laughs> Are you okay, buddy? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm good. I just uh, a couple of things to develop while I was waiting. Uh, until I get to what I called you about, was I, I would advise Dan the same thing I tell all the other uh, know everything's like him. Mind your own business, you know. Uh, don't try and tell me how, how what kind of family I can have that absolutely has nothing to do with you. Mind your own business and move on. But what I called you about was uh, when Cindy was talking about career possibilities. Uh, I never hear anybody talk about. Uh, going into the military, which is a huge thing for young folks. They have a wonderful ROTC program over there at Chickalemi, and uh, you know, like myself, who got drafted after high school, uh, I, I was not real excited about that. I wasn't glad that it happened. It wasn't part of my plans, but uh, it changed my life, and I can't imagine what my life would be like without that opportunity, and I think that they should you know, rather than uh, like another college, people might look into the military because I think the possibilities there today are much better uh, than they were back during the Shantong War. Uh, and the other thing I called, actually the first thing I called about was uh, last night over dinner, we happened to uh, be watching TV and my favorite um, Republican ad on television uh, was, and I don't remember who it was, was, I'm pro-life and pro-gun. <laughs> well, as long I'm as you don't. <laughs> I don't remember who it was because we started laughing so hard as the commercial was over. But I mean, pick one, okay? You can't be both. So that's all I got. Thank all right, you. we got you. Thank you so much, boss. Uh, actually, I think you can be pro-life I and pro, so pro-gun because not all guns are k- killing people, but you know they're hunting, they're killing right, animals. Shoot targets. <laughs> but I, I agree. There is a certain. Uh, I agree with with Buzz. There is a certain ambiguity there. <laughs> I'm pro-life, except when it comes to deer. Okay, so now you're now you're you're specifying what it is you will shoot. Right, I'm pro-life unless it becomes a paper target or a deer, in which case. <laughs> there's there's heck to pay. Or turkey. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We got a call related to 2,000 mules, and we got our AP clipping handy about uh, 2,000 mules. They did a fact check on some of the claims, uh, found the whole thing to be predominantly true, but they found some falsehoods. So we'll talk about that. 1-800-795-9565. He was a hairy bear. He was a scary bear. We beat a hasty retreat from his lair. And describe him with adjectives. I'm lost, Kevin. <laughs> uh, this is your best. Cindy was, yeah, Cindy was talking about the bear in her backyard. Oh, the bear in her backyard. Wow. <laughs> you guys listen to the show when you do it? Well, that One was the sentence. first thing she said. It took about 10 seconds, and she went on to two other major topics. So One forgive us for following the main thread of what she was discussing. One sentence out of 50, John. Where you were Kevin's focused over on, on the bear. He was focused on the minutiae. Yeah, we had a bear in Northumberland the other night as well. So everybody's excited about that. He was a scary bear? Yes. Was he, he was. a hairy bear? He was so scary that the person out for a walk turned around. Why don't you make it sound friendly and play the teddy bear's picnic instead? If you go out in the woods today. Don't encourage him. There's Stan. a teddy bear's picnic? You never heard of the teddy bear's picnic? Oh, it's a great I, I don't think so. The only bear I ever knew was Winnie the Pooh. One of my one of my early mentors uh, was Yogi. A, 
Yeah, but he was after Winnie the Pooh in my life. Well, One of my know. early mentors was Ted the Bear Foreman. He was a great disc jockey in Harrisburg, and uh, he played every day. His theme song was the Teddy Bear's Picnic. I just went up on Route 18, 118 near uh, Ricketts Glen and bought fuel at Bear Fuel. Oh, There's right. a bunch of bears running. I thought maybe the attendants were nude. <laughs> I was thinking that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, they were all wearing blue jeans and flannel shirts. Okay. And so what bears wear up there. Stan. <laughs> I'll go with Smokey the Bear. Uh, uh, I agree. Only you. Now, Joe, you just made a statement that, uh, of course, you can be pro-life because not all guns are killing people. Right. I'm going to correct you on that. Oh, all right. No guns are killing people. It's people killing people, whether they use a gun, knife, baseball bat, or their fist, or a car, or, or a bomb, whatever. It's people that do it, does the killing, not the gun. All right? The gun is a tool, and it can be used for good, and it can be used for evil. And the ones that are using it for evil all need to be taken out. And shot. <laughs> well, no, I won't go that far. Come on if, now. If that's, if that's, the, if that's the penalty... You know, for the crime in whatever state, yeah, then that's what happens. Otherwise, I'm, I'm all for public hangings, okay, oh, for, okay. for convicted God. murderers. Shoot. Forget uh, the shooting. I'm for that, and, and, and personally, I'd like to see them hang there until they fall to the ground uh, over time, because that would be a reminder to other people that this is the penalty that you will pay if you use a firearm or anything to kill another human being. That is my thinking on that. Now, I know it'll never go that far because that's extreme, but uh, that that's the way I feel it should happen. That way we send a message because what's happening right now, there is no deterrence for people. People are still killing people because there is no penalty for them. Look in the big cities. These people are shooting and killing and robbing and getting pretty much getting away with it. That's, you know, but as far as guns, guns kill no one. It's only a person because I can leave a gun lay on a table for a hundred years, and as long as no one touches that gun, it will never harm a single person. But doesn't doesn't the possession of a firearm make the taking of a life a lot easier and a lot less personal than some of the other methods? A lot easier in what way? That you don't have to think about it. In other words, you no, just pull the that, trigger. If that were I don't true, have to cops get right in your face people. with a knife and try to stab you. I don't run the risk of no. you retaliating against me. If that were true, hunters would be killing each other willy-nilly because they're all armed, and cops would be killing each other willy-nilly because no, no, no. they're all armed. I'm saying if you armed. intend to do murder, if you intend to harm well, someone... The most most firearm most people that are shot are done within probably five to ten feet, so they're pretty close, Joe. So it doesn't make it any less or, or you know more or less hard to kill someone. The people with that intent are going to do it regard regardless of you know <laughs> you what they're using the for the time. tool. Okay. Well, but stop and think about these drive-by shootings in major metropolitan areas. It's very easy for somebody to do that. They couldn't do it with a knife. You can't drive by and throw a knife at someone, but you can sure as hell shoot at them. <laughs> Last time I checked. Last time. All that is very, very illegal. In major cities, to discharge a firearm is illegal. To do it from a car is illegal. To actually shoot someone and kill them is illegal. It's all illegal, Joe, but has it stopped them? So what are you going to do? You're going to penalize the law-abiding citizens that don't go out and shoot people from cars because of some fools that do, and then the prosecutors, when they catch them, don't throw the freaking book at them. 
Okay. That's Can I all. help you? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my you know, pen. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> it is not. Okay. No, well, it you... is. It is, Mark. It's that simple. If the if the prosecutors would do their job after the cops arrest these people, things would change. But right. they don't. Right. Well, they would, but I mean, the argument I'm making, though, Stan, is not whether or not guns are good or bad. I have no problem with them. You know that. But I, I, will, I do think that if you are planning on doing something harmful to another human being, it's easier to do it with a gun than it is with other weapons. Well, that may be true, but your intent oh. is, is already there. Most crimes are based on intent, not just action. You know, and I, there's a commercial, and I'm curious uh, your feeling about it. I guess they were saying, oh, it's against Dr. Oz. They say Dr. Oz is, uh, by his own words, he's not a, not a conservative. He says the way to control keeping guns out of people's hands uh, who shouldn't have them is through red, red flag, flag laws. Now, is that so wrong? No. <laughs> okay. Joe, so uh, the people that are out committing the crimes that don't have them, because most of the red flag laws are for what? People with mental incapa- or mentally incapacitated or have mental issues and are threatening people, okay? Well, if they're threatening people, there's laws against that. And for the most part, if someone, say a, a husband threatens a wife with physical harm, she goes to the DA, they get a restraining order. Now, in my world, Okay, I'll go, you know, not Mark Utopia, Marktopia, but in my world, if that's the case, if they have evidence that this person is a danger to this other person and they get a restraining order against them, then that day, that person's house should be searched and any firearms in that house should be removed until it can be, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, due process isn't done there because the guy that's being uh, uh, accused of it has no recourse to that. He's being accused, and they throw, you know, the restraining order against them. But the, the law is the law. They have to have firearms removed, or they have to turn them in. Well, it's what, 15 days or something like that they have to do that? So if the guy is really a danger, within those 15 days, you don't think he's going to go out and use that firearm and take care of that one? Because... The restraining order is about as worth as much as the piece of paper that it's written on. Actually, it's called a PFA, a protection from abuse order. Right. Uh, uh, and PA, I guess in other places, restraining order, but whatever. PFA, you know, you know what I mean. It's, you know, it's worth as much as the paper. But is, that doesn't that answer the, that doesn't answer the question about red flag laws. In other words, if are there other red flags besides mental illness? For example, someone who has a violent history, someone who uh, you know has developed some sort of instability, makes idle threats to people, mumbles a lot, you know, has some some other ir- serious uh, issues that that might lead oh. you to be afraid of the person. Well, when we well, go to draft our red Joe, flag law, we're going to include uh, mumbling uh, Stan on it. <laughs> Because it has to be possible to come up with a red flag law that would work and would fit the criteria. So we'll include you. Right. If they have a history of violence, wouldn't they already be in the police's radar? If they've been possibly arrested. Arrested for it, but not everybody's been arrested for everything. Well, and maybe that's part of the problem. And sometimes, you know, juvenile records. shooting in Florida? Juvenile records get sealed. And so right. the, the law enforcement doesn't have access to what those people do. Maybe that's a problem there, well, isn't it? It may well be. It may well be. But, but you, know, you know, we got to protect the kiddies, but look what happened. School shooting in Florida. The guy had 40-some, 50-some interactions with the police because he was killing animals, torturing animals, threatening his parents, his mom, and other people. Yet they never did anything because we didn't want to put him in the, the what the school to jail pipeline or whatever they called it in the system. 
Yeah, in the system. Didn't want him in the system. Well, who'd that come back to bite? The kids that got killed down there because he wasn't in the system to prevent him from purchasing a firearm. All right. Okay. All right. We got you, Thanks, Stan. Dan. Thank you so much. Always appreciate yep. yakking at you. Take care, buddy. <laughs> yakking at you. That's <laughs> called conversing to the rest of us. I All like right. to yak. Hey, I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Oh, please do. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury. We are going. I'm go- I tried to get uh, Joe an F-150 Lightning truck. But you bought it for me. Well, I did, but it's still six weeks away. They're waiting for some chips. But it is on a train. We have the VIN. But in the meantime, I'm going down to the Hyundai dealership right now and get you an Ionic. It's Hyundai's newest vehicle. Consumer Reports loves it. It's an electric vehicle. About 250 miles. So what you're going to do is you're going to keep it charged up. Well, there certainly are some times in your life when you go 250 miles on the trip. Most times you don't. So just keep it on the charger from time to time. You would use 110. You don't even need 220 or you don't need to get a uh, one of those DC chargers. You'll do fine with just a normal charger. It's going to be the Hyundai. It's an SUV. It's got all-wheel drive. It's got lots of room. It's got a moonroof. It's going to last forever. This will be your last vehicle, Joe, and it's perfect for you. Implying so, that I'm on my way out? No, no. <laughs> this will last you 20 years. How old are you, 75 or something? 78. 78? So 20, 88, 98? Yeah, you could go to 98, don't you think? <laughs> I'm the age of the old records that used to be around. 78 RPMs. Oh, remember. <laughs> now I can remember it. Yeah. Well, you were 77. That was the year I graduated from high school. That's how I remembered it. But that was I, 77 Sunset Strip, an old TV program. So. 1970, <laughs> class of 77. All right. Let's take a quickie break. But uh, Joe's going to be tooling around in a Hyundai Ionic very shortly, an electric vehicle. He's going to hate every minute of it, but he loves it driving around for free. <laughs> he's going to charge it while he's here. So. Also, you're going to get me free electricity to charge I it? I will. I'll All run right. one of those orange cords out to you while you're Thank every you. time you visit, no problem. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Open phones. Talked about gun, red flag laws, uh, Roe v. Wade, and the U.S. Supreme Court, and the leak. I'm surprised uh, there are more people wanting to comment on Cliff's opinions because right. I thought he made a great deal He's of a sense. A good conservative liberal, isn't he? Yep. And uh, two thousand mules is the subject of our newest email. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Picnic time for teddy bears. The little teddy bears are happy around okay. Thank you. But we have one call on the line, one coming in, and the teddy bear's picnic to go to. And an email that's short. Go ahead. It says, Biden is planning to address inflation today. That is like an arsonist offering a squirt gun to douse the fiery set. All right. Uh, let's see. Jim is next. Hello, sir, from Ashland, PA. You're Good on the Good morning. Um, the things about Mastriano are, are kind of true. There is one positive. You know, this Act 77 took away straight party voting. Allegedly, now I say allegedly, it hasn't been proven, 
But allegedly in Philadelphia, Harrisburg, and Pittsburgh, the judge of elections would take the card and rack up votes for straight party Democrat, you know, and, and uh, help win races, allegedly. And that, so now they can't do that. They have to color and ballot all day. And that would be quite obvious. But um, I called because um, two, Tea Party started 2009, right? Pretty much. And anybody who was a, a conservative really got into it then and joined things. And and uh, um, what would you think of somebody who joined the Republican Party in 2019? Any thoughts? <laughs> well, a lot of people are joining the Republican Party. Run that by party. me again. I'm not certain what then point you were now. making. Okay, well, anyway, uh, my point is Ron Tanney was a Democrat up until 2019, and now he's a, he's a Republican since 2019. Well, a lot but of people changed I, political party. I mean, look Ronald at Senate, Reagan changed parties. Look at he Senator Gordner. Yeah, Senator Gordner. Yeah, Ronald yeah. Reagan was a Democrat. He even yeah. signed in an abortion bill back in the day. Right. Well, I just find it interesting that... Um, the way he talks, you think he was a long time, you know, a lifelong Republican, and he's not. But okay. anyway, who do you favor um, in that race? Joanne Stark. There we go. Thank she's you. A, rock, a, a bedrock uh, conservative. And tell her to call us. All right, us. you guys have a good day. Right. All right, I'm thank trying, you. Hey, uh, how does she get on there? Who does? Uh, uh, I told her to call your call screener, but do you have an email? Uh, yeah, you can email on the market wkok.com, and of course, obviously, you have the phone numbers. So that's silly. yeah, yeah. I gave it to her. Okay, she's a little afraid. I told her you guys are, are harm, harmless little fuzzballs. Well, if she can't but, talk to twenty people on the radio, then yeah, she's going to have trouble in front of. I know, of, uh, I know, I know. She's been busy, but I, I'm not sure what the problem is. A couple hundred but, uh, in Harrisburg. 20, 20 right. people. Is that how we're down to 20 There's people? There's a lot the ones of people see. listen to you. I listen to you over here in Schuylkill County. You're, 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 the reach of your program is further than you think. Don't don't denigrate yourself. Yeah, we have a 1,000 listeners every day. Guys. We know this to be true. We have a 1,000 people here. But she'll be, you know, this is easy compared to the hot seat of Harrisburg. I know, I know, I know. And I, uh, and she's been busier than a one-handed paper hanger. But... Uh, anyway. Okay, uh, thank you. You one guys arm. have a good day. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> thank you. one arm paper. The one arm paper hires That's an old America. reference. You don't hang much paper today. <laughs> Lance from Herndon, you're on the mark. Oh, hi there. Why, um, anyway, I was talking to an individual who is out there sometimes, even by my standards, all right? And uh, what he said was that, uh, you know, abortion just might be nature's way of ridding our race of liberals. And, you know, the end result would be the same. Would would not that be? So oh, you're yeah, saying yeah, only liberals true. have abortions, yeah, and which is therefore they would be aborting themselves, Ridiculously right? false, but also, but we're repopulating with illegal immigrants, so That's it, right. it evens out. <laughs> Yeah. Sad I mean, but true. It's really what they're doing. Uh, I never saw on television on how one of the things, but just hearing some of these women, you know, like I'm, I'm not a baby factory, and they're not going to have any children at all, and they're real proud of killing the kids that they did have in their womb, and uh, it's incredible. Who's proud for having had an abortion? Shout your abortion. Did you, did you hear? Yeah, some lady said that uh, was on TV. She, oh, um, okay. I forget what she, what her, what her credentials were, but she said she would be proud to abort a child she had. 
Well, most women don't say that. Liberals do. Liberals. No, liberals don't say that. I know a lot of well, liberals. I'm sure they this don't lady say, wasn't a conservative. They don't say that. Well, but <laughs> it's not a key phrase that you see. A, you won't find any bumper stickers that say that. I'm proud to abort my child. Right, yeah, that's, that never caught on. That's The Republicans have brought that up. Do you have such a bumper sticker yourself? Uh, no. But, Lance, speaking of climate change, I know you don't believe in it. And uh, here's something that popped up in the news. I thought you would appreciate this. Uh, thanks to climate change. Lake Mead, well, this is not, not thanks to climate change, this part. It sits on the border of Nevada and Arizona. It's always been there and always will be. Anyway, a bad drought associated with climate change has dropped water levels to historic lows, and now people's secrets are being revealed. Last week, a barrel with a body inside was found. The man was likely shot between the mid-1970s and early 80s based on the clothes he was wearing. This past weekend, skeletal remains were discovered as well. The Clark County Medical Examiner is hoping to identify by the cause of death, police warned more bodies will W I L L turn up in the dried up reservoir, the drying up reservoir. So, uh, what, who did you say might be there? Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, that, there you go. So, what's your point? Well, I, uh, climate change is real. It's causing climate change. Lake I think a drought's real. Climate change is well, another issue. A, the lake Mead's drying up altogether. That's because of drought. That's climate. A drought in the West no, Coast. No, this is <laughs> a half a decade's worth of drying. Anyway, Lance, we'll, that's on, called a drought. On all of these topics, we'll give you the last word. Well, fifty years ago, we were thinking that we were all going to freeze to death, and we had the uh, proof of that. Not I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Where did you read that? Well, I have that uh, from Time Magazine, and I have uh, from, I think, Villa, well, I had both of them back then, both the Daily Worker, the communist newspaper, and also the Village Voice. Uh, I say if you could look up in Mother Earth News, you'll uh, find out that everybody was ready for it. All right, we got you. To the Mason-Dixon. All right, well, the science has changed after 50 years. Every 50... Drought's still a drought. All right, thank you so much, Lance. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, everybody. All <laughs> thank thousands. you, Kevin, for the teddy bear's picnic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, and thank you, uh, Dan Patrick, for doing a good show for the next three hours. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury.